Hello, welcome to the podcast of Grace Fellowship Church Shrewsbury. We meet every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. in Southern York County, Pennsylvania. You can join our morning live stream on Facebook or YouTube. Just search for GFC Shrewsbury. You can find more information about us at gfcshrewsbury.org. We are so excited to bring you this message today, and it is our hope that you will come to know and believe Jesus Christ more fully through it. Story is, anybody like a good story? Oh man, we all love a good story. I don't know how you like taking in your stories. We did, you know, some of you like movies and TV shows, some of you like books, some of you like all of the above, and, and maybe you like fiction books, maybe you like nonfiction. Maybe you like adventure or historical or comedy or romance, but story is so powerful, isn't it? Like as soon as somebody starts a story, I can't help but lean in. Even if we don't want to, we lean in. This happened to me one time when I was in seventh grade. I went to see A Midsummer Night's Dream, and I didn't want to go see A Midsummer Night's Dream because I didn't like Shakespeare, but my sister was in the play, so the family had to go support my sister and see A Midsummer Night's Dream even though I didn't want to. And so my dad and I are sitting there before the show and we're kind of joking back and forth about how <laughs> boring Shakespeare is. Going to try to nudge each other and keep us awake. And the lights go down and the play starts. And it's intriguing. <laughs> and there's characters that are captivating. And there's comedy. And there's romance. And there's sword fights. And I couldn't help but listen. <laughs> I couldn't help but lean in and take in the story. Have you ever found yourself like that? A good story starts and you just can't help but listen. This is how we respond to story. But then, then it's more than just entertaining us, right? We don't just listen. Like It inspires us. That's what good story does. It inspires us. It, it invites us in and we, we begin to see something about ourselves in these characters. Maybe something we don't like about ourselves and it's a gentle way of showing us, oh, I want to be different. <laughs> Or maybe you see a character who's courageous or funny or brave or sacrificial. In a way, you see, I want to be like that. And we get inspired. See, we get inspired to live a different way. That's what good story does. We listen, and then we want to live it. And then what do we want to do? We want to tell it. You hear a good story, you just want to tell it, right? And that's what stories do for us. It's how we relate to each other as we tell stories. We can get together and say, how was your week? And don't, don't tell me the facts. Tell me a story. It's how we relate to each other. It's how we come to understand ourselves and the world and how we understand each other, too. Right? You ever have somebody who's maybe annoying to you? (laughs) Maybe they're a little weird or awkward or there's something wrong with them. You've judged them in a certain way. And then, then in one moment, God opens up this moment where you get to hear a little bit of their story and say, oh, all of a sudden you have compassion All of a sudden, you have understanding. You want to know why I am the way I am? Let me tell you a story about my upbringing or my parents or my life or this significant moment of pain or suffering or beauty. Like, we tell stories. That's how we respond to story. We listen. And then we want to live a different way. We want to live like that story. And then we want to tell it. And, and that's why we're, we're going here. We want to be an army of storytellers of the story God is telling on this world and in our lives. Listen, but before we can tell it, we've got to listen. And we've got to live. 
We've got to live the right story. We've got to live the whole story. That's what we're going to be talking about this morning. Let me just pray as we open, and then we're going to open God's word together, and we're going to listen together to this story. Lord God, I thank you for beginnings. It's, ex- it's exciting to us to start a new story. And God, because of the source of this story that we're going to start this morning, it's you, God. We know it's a good story. So God, whatever we walked in here thinking our lives were about, whatever we walked in here thinking our lives were like, whatever we walked in here thinking you were like, God, we ask you to just break down any lies Just, just tear away anything, any assumptions we've made and show us the truth. And, and that's, that's a truth that we can't take in in one morning. We're going to take it in over a long time to come, over our entire lives as we read your scripture and as we listen to your spirit and your people together. Lord, but over this journey through this book of Genesis, I just pray right now, right here at the beginning, that you would open our ears and hearts to listen because we need to hear what you have to say to us. Not just so that we have a good story to tell, but so that we have a good story to live. God, I want to live a different story than I've been living in some ways. So God, tell it to us again this morning. Tell it to us again. Change us, God. Have your way in us. In your name. Amen. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. It's a great beginning, isn't it? It's not once upon a time, not a galaxy a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. In the beginning. Whose beginning? Our beginning. In the beginning. And and those words, even if I didn't have them up on the screen, as I started to say them, I bet bet some of you could have could have said them right along with me. This is a verse we've memorized without even trying to because we've heard it so many times. As we start into Genesis, we're starting into a really familiar story. And, and honestly, that's part of the problem, isn't it? We've heard all this before. We've heard this before, and we get so familiar with it that it doesn't strike us new, it doesn't strike us fresh, and we don't see what's there because we think we know it. That was my Shakespeare problem, right? I walked in there and I thought I knew Shakespeare because I had read him before in English lit class, a bunch of seventh graders. We even read some scenes out loud. You had a bunch of seventh graders stumbling through iambic pentameter and Elizabethan English. Any wonder why I thought Shakespeare was boring? But I, th- I thought that was the whole story. That was my experience of Shakespeare, and I thought that, w- that was it. And then I walked in, and the lights dimmed, and I experienced more <laughs> with actors and actresses who were invested in this. And I experienced the story, the, the whole story, a little bit more the way it was intended. And when we open this book, we need to shake off what's familiar. And when we say, God, it, help us experience us, this story fresh. Because if we don't, if we stay with what's familiar, if we stay with the assumptions we've made, 
We end up with misunderstandings about who we are and who God is. We do. We walk through these through our lives like this, and we don't even know that we're doing this. I walked into a, a bookstore with my family a few weeks ago, good place to find a good story, right? And, and I uh, saw this book, and it was a new book by an author I used to read. I haven't read him for a while, but I used to read him years ago, and I, I really appreciated his views on following Jesus and what his relationship with, with God was like. And he had this new book, and it was about, it was about living a life of, of meaning. And it was all based around telling a good story. I thought, well, that's interesting, and I started to page through it, and I came across this. You know what he said? In the, in the, I think it was in the first chapter. He, he was talking about the, the disappointments we have in our lives. He was talking about the tragedies that creep up in our lives and, and how we intend to live a life a certain way, and then things happen, and things get in the way. And, and he said, in light of all that, he said, it's obvious that, obvious that God's not telling our story, or, or if he is, it's, a really, it's not a very good one. And I, and I was kind of taken aback a little bit when I read that because it's really different than what he would have said in, in earlier books years and years ago. And, and then the other reaction I had as I read that was like, I get it. I get it. Do you get that a little bit? Like, as we look around at our lives and as we look around at our world and the, the chaos and the, the, the darkness and the distractions and the things that happen and the tragedies that we experience unexpected, isn't there at some point like we wonder, what's going on here? Like, God, are you, are you actually part of this story? Are you even involved, let alone telling this story? Are you even in control? And if so, where are you? So, like, I get it. And, and so I went on. I flipped on in the book because... I want to page through and say, okay, if, if, that's, if that's what you're saying, then what's your answer? And his answer as he went on was to tell, was to be the author of your own story. You are the author of your own story. And how often do we think like that? Like, I, I want a good story, so I got to get out there and write that good story in my life. I've got to be the author. And his book went on to be a good self-help book, right? Here's the problem with self-help books. They don't work. That's why they keep being more and more and more of them. I looked on the Amazon this week. You know how many self-help books are there? Over 80,000 self-help books. If self-help books really worked, it'd be a dying genre. We'd be done after a few. Problem is, somebody said the problem with self-help books is we keep looking inside us like we're going to find the answer in the same place we find the problem. They don't work. Why don't they work? Because I'm not the author. Because this isn't my story. Because there's something bigger going on here. There's a story I really loved for a long time in my life, The Lord of the Rings. I liked it before it was cool. I liked it back when it was a nerd to like it. <laughs> Lord of the Rings, are these characters swept up into Sam and Frodo or two little hobbits, right? And they get swept up into this grand adventure. And, and they go on this journey, and they by themselves pretty much are, are going on this journey, and they, they face dangers and trials, and they lose friends and pain and suffering. And they've got more to go. And at one point, Sam turns to Frodo, and he says, I wonder what kind of tale we've fallen into. That's a good question for us. See, because rather than being the author of our own stories, rather than it being all about us, there's a tale we've fallen into. There's a story that's bigger than us. There's something going on here that could make sense of everything going on around us, but it's not our story. It's somebody else's story. 
And so, what kind of a tale is it? I wonder what kind of a story it is. Some of you, we could fill in the gap. We could fill in the answer to that. But let's, let's look at it with fresh eyes this morning. When we come to Genesis, and, and this morning we're, we're not even going to dip further than this into the book of Genesis. This is really uh, kind of an overview to give us an introduction of what this story is like and where we're going. And it's a true story. So when I say story, don't take it as fiction. This is a true story. And it's a story we're invited to be a part of. And so as we open to this story, what's, what kind of a story is it? You know, in our last journey, we went through the Gospel of John, right? And what was really helpful in the Gospel of John was the author of that story, John, at least the human author of that story. He gave us a purpose of that story. I can't remember if it's on the slides or not. Nope, it's not on the slides. Um, he gave us a purpose of that story. John 20, 31 said this, But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. And, and all through that journey, through the, through the Gospel of John, we were able to point back to that and say, okay, there's a, that's, that's why he's given us this message. That's why he's given us this story. And wouldn't it be good if the, the author of the story kind of gave us a, a, a message, a, a, an encapsulation of what this story was about right when we start out? And, and so, well, who, who wrote it? John wrote the Gospel of John. Human-wise, who wrote, the, who wrote Genesis? Well, it was Moses. By tradition, Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And, and he wrote about this because there's references throughout these books that, of, of Moses writing down songs and events and stories. And, and so we believe that Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible. And then there's some sections we know he didn't write because, you know, in Deuteronomy, it talks about Moses', Moses death and burial. Well, he obviously didn't write that, but somebody came along and wrote that after him. And there's things that happened before Moses was born. And so scholars believe that he was, he was also working uh, from some stories that were passed down, some written stories and oral histories that were passed down through generation after generation because that's how they shared stories. They told them. Right? And so, so as we hear that, we can get a little afraid and say, well, no, 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 it's got to be Moses. No, it doesn't have to be Moses because the authority, we don't have to figure out what's what and what he wrote versus what somebody else wrote because the authority of Genesis doesn't come from Moses. It comes from God, right? So when we talk about the author of Genesis, sure, in human terms, it was Moses, but it was the Spirit of God working through Moses to deliver this word to us just like he worked through all human authors to deliver these 66 books to us. 2 Timothy says, all Scripture is God-breathed. All Scripture is God-breathed. It means we can trust this. And that means it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Don't you want to be that? Man, I feel unequipped so many days. Here's where I can find equipping, right here. So the author, and, and the reason I can trust this is because the author is God. Because he wrote this story. And, and it tells us that the author of our stories is actually God. Not, not us, not anybody else. It's, it's God. And so it, wouldn't it be great if we could find a, a, a message for the book of Genesis? And I think we can point to this place. It, it's not actually in the book of Genesis. It's in the De book of Deuteronomy. And I just want to go there quickly because here's, here's what's happening. In the book of Deuteronomy, Moses is at the front of the children of Israel and they're about to enter the promised land. And in the book of Deuteronomy, what Moses is going to do is he's going to go back and he's going to tell them the story of, of them. 
He's going to tell them their story. And he's going to say, this is what happened to you, and this is what happened to your fathers and your mothers and the generations before you, and this is how God worked, and this is what it means. And he's going to tell them the laws and the events and the songs and everything. And, and he says this. Here's why I'm going to tell it to you, he says. He says, look at this. Deuteronomy 4, chapter 32, it says this. Moses says to them, ask now. He says, go ahead, ask me. Ask me about the former days, long before your time. From the day God created human beings on the earth. Isn't that what we're here to do when we open Genesis? We're going to ask about these old times. We're going to ask about this old story. Ask about things long before our time. From the day God created human beings on the earth. Ask from one end of heavens to the other. Has anything so great as this ever happened? Has anything like it ever been heard of? Has any other people heard the voice of God speaking out of the fire as you have and lived? Has any other God ever tried to take for himself one nation out of another nation by testings, by signs and wonders, by war, by a mighty hand and an outstretched arm or great and awesome deeds like all the things the Lord your God did for you in Egypt before your very eyes? Listen, he says, ask. Go listen to any story you can. You're never going to find a story as great as this. That the God of all creation would come down and would pursue you and would call out a people to himself. And he says this, this is what he does. You are shown these things, why? So that you might know that the Lord is God. Beside him there is no other. From heaven, he made you hear his voice to discipline you. See, he's, he's like a good father and a good mother. He's like a good parent. <laughs> He doesn't just want you to know that he's there. He doesn't just want you to know that he's God. He doesn't want to leave you the same. He wants to discipline you so that you, you grow up and you can be all that he created you to be. On earth, he showed you his great fire and you heard his words from out of the fire. And why did he do all this? Because he loved. Because he loved your ancestors and chose their descendants after them he brought you out of the Egypt by his presence and by his great strength to drive out before you nations greater and stronger than you and to bring you into their land and give it to you for your inheritance today. You know why he did all this? Because he loves you and he wants to fulfill his good promise to you. So listen up. And Moses finishes off this way. And this, this is maybe what we could point to as a message of the book of Genesis. Maybe that, the message of the whole Old Testament. Acknowledge and take heart this day that the Lord is God in heaven above and on earth below and there is no other. Here's the message of the book we're going into. Here's the message of the story. God is God and there's nobody like him. And he wrote this story and there is no other and he is so much higher than we could believe. There is no other God. And we want to know him. Here's what Moses says. Know him today. Acknowledge him. Say that it's true and take it to heart. Do you know if you say this is true, it's going to change everything about your life. It's going to change everything about you, about how you want to live. If you listen to this story... It's a story you're invited into, he says. And you're invited not just to listen to it, but to live it. And I've listened to it, Moses says. I've lived it. And here's why I'm telling it to you. 
And that's what we come to when we come to the book of Genesis. Do you acknowledge that in your life? That this is who our God is, the God we sang about. The the same God who rescued in the past rescues now. The same God who was pursuing the children of Israel in amazing ways, he's pursuing you right now in amazing ways. He hasn't left you alone. He's not indifferent to you. This week, he knows all that went on in your life, and he was involved in it. Even if it was horrific, he's using it to call you to himself. Do you know this? Do you take it to heart? Because if you can take this to heart, it will change you. It'll change you today. Because God is bigger than we think he is. He is. See, there's an idolatry that runs through all of us. Every single one of us, we tend to pray to a God and ask a God and bargain with a God and doubt a God and be angry with a God of our own understanding. That's not the true God. We, we tend to, we, we take a, a, a page out of our experience and say, this must be what God is like because this is what my life is like. And it's not the whole story. It's not the whole of who our God is. And so we end up, end up praying not to, Not to a God who is God, but a God of our expectations, a God we think we can manage, a God we think we can bargain with, and a God who we think is just like us. He's not like us. He is holier than you can possibly imagine. His thoughts are far higher than your thoughts. His ways are far higher than our ways. His justice reigns across the heavens. He's bigger than the mountains. He's bigger than the universe. He's more powerful than the waves. This is a mighty God that we serve and call upon. And we think he's supposed to fit into our story. He doesn't fit into our story. We're made to fit into his. We're made to fit into his his story. And we're actually invited into it. And this is the God that we get introduced to right at the beginning of Genesis. In the beginning, God, it says. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And can I tell you something that's so elementary? It's so simple, you're going to think, why am I telling you this? That the main character of Genesis, the main character of the Bible, is God. That's why it starts out, in the beginning, God. Because he's the main character. And, and let me see where I'm at in my slides. In the beginning, God created you know, I went back a few years ago and I was reading Genesis and I was trying to get a fresh glimpse because that's what we do when we go back to the beginning of the story. We're like, okay, it's gotten confusing. There's so many things I know about this story, but I feel like I don't really know it. I want to go back to the beginning and I just want to start. I want to get the whole thing. I want to get the whole context. And I started reading through the book of Genesis. And I started reading through Genesis 1, but I'll be honest, I was really reading Genesis 1 to get to Genesis 2 and 3 and 4 and 5, you know, and get to the times where Adam showed up. And, and, and people were on the earth and read about Cain and read about Noah and read about all these other characters because that's where I can get something out of. 
That's something I can apply to my life. And, and you know, as I read through Scripture, you know what shocked me as I read through Genesis 1 was how active God is. Because he's the main character. Right in Genesis 1, it says God created, God said, God saw, God made, God set in place, God blessed, God finished, God rested. And that's just the first chapter. And do you know what? I was like, okay, then humans take over, right? You know what? They don't. You start, keep reading through the book of Genesis, and God is the active party through it all. He's the main character. And, And that's... We started our last journey in John with really similar words to this, right? The same three words. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him not anything was made that was made. And John here, we know, we talked about, John is talking about the Word and the Word is Jesus Christ. And what, why does John go back and reference Genesis? Why does he use the same words? Because he's saying, listen, this is the same story. He's saying, listen, this is the same God. This Jesus I'm going to tell you about, he's not some new kid on the block. He's the same God. He he always was. He didn't just show up on the scene. He was from before time began. And back at the very beginning was the Word. Just like back at the beginning was God. It wasn't, his, it wasn't his beginning, it was our beginning. He was already there. Jesus was already there because it's all the same God. And, and this is something we can miss right off the bat is that the Trinity. We, we know our God is one God in three persons, right? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And, and here it is, right here at the beginning. In the beginning, God, Father. And over those Dark waters, what was there? The Spirit. And what did God do to change what was going on? He spoke a word. That's why later in Genesis, when they go to create, when when God goes to create man, he says, Let us, it's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three persons, one God, right at the beginning of the book. It's the same God. And so John is telling us in his gospel, I'm not starting a new story. This is just a continuation. It's the same God. It's the same God. It's just, he just revealed himself in a, diff, in a new way. Revealed himself more fully than ever before when he came down and put on flesh and dwelt among us. That God who put on flesh, that God that we see in Jesus, that, God, that Jesus that came because God loved us. It's the same God right back here at the beginning. Because that's what some people do when they start into Genesis, when they start into the Old Testament, was say God's different back then. No, he's not. It's the same God. The question is, do we have eyes to see it? Do we have eyes to see it? He's the active party. Do you see how involved God is right at the beginning? He's the main character of this book. He's the main character of this story because he wrote it and it's all about him. See, I'm used to thinking about my life as all about me. And God kind of just dips in every once in a while, right? Like we go about our days, we go about our lives, I'm going to set my plans, I'm going to set my purpose. I'm going to pray, sure. I'm going to read my Bible. 
But for the most part, like I'm, I'm running this show and God just dips in every once in a while and once, sometimes I see him and sometimes I don't. That's not the way it is. It's all about him. Do you know God is active and involved just as, as much as he did in Genesis 1? He's doing it all today. Because he is the same God and he does the same things. He does new things too. He says, behold, I'm, I'm doing a new thing. And then he comes and makes us new. He does new things. But just like he created at the beginning, he is recreating us. Just like he got involved in his creation at the beginning, he is involved in your life and my life right now. He's working all the time. And so what does he do? What does he do in this book of Genesis? We come back to the plot. What what does this book look like that we're going to cover? Well, here's, here's a very simple outline of the book. It, it starts out, it's two points long. That's how simple it is. First point, God in the whole world. So, so in the beginning, excuse me, in the beginning, God created. God created this world, and it, he started this story, and he's still writing it. And you know what it tells us about this story? Not just that God is authoring this story. It tells us that it's a good story. He started it, and it was really, really, really good. You don't need to question that. No matter what your life looks like, no matter what the world looks like today, God started and is writing a good story. And, and, and in this first section, God creates this world, and then he engages this, with this world. And he pursues everyone. It starts with Adam and Eve. He pursues them. Just like he's pursuing us today, and he invites them to respond to him. And they do for a while, and they walk in relationship, unhindered, uninterrupted relationship with the living God. It says God walked with them in the cool of the day. God walked with his people. How much do we long for that? Do you long to know that God would walk with you? That's his desire from the very beginning. That he would walk with you and me. And he walked with Adam and Eve until they didn't. He didn't go anywhere. They went somewhere else. And they said, they got the invitation to be the author of their own stories. And they took that invitation and then it all went wrong. And then it kept going wrong. And we read through Cain and how he started to try to write his own story. And he ended up killing his brother. And we, it spreads through the whole world. And, and God, through all this time, is continuing to speak to the whole world and to those people that would respond to him. And it's not everybody. In fact, it gets fewer and fewer and fewer to this point where it, it says that everybody's intentions all the time were evil. And it says, do you know what it says? It doesn't say God was angry. It says God was grieved. God was grieved. Because this isn't what he had for them. And he sends a flood, but he pursues Noah through this. And he invites a family back to himself. He invites them to respond to this story. And he saves them through this flood. And and then we almost get a restart. It starts again with one family, just like it did with Adam and Eve. But then it goes wrong again. And people gather together. And they try to prove how great they are. They try to tell their own stories at the Tower of Babel. God says, this isn't going to work. 
And then we come to the second point. See, up until now, Genesis 1 through 11 carries this story through of God addressing and inviting the whole world to himself. And then he focuses down, and then it's God and one family. And the rest of the book of Genesis, 12, chapter 12 through chapter 50, we follow this one family as God invites Abraham to him. And we follow this family through four generations, Abraham and Sarah, and then Isaac and Rebekah, and then Jacob and Esau, and Jacob's wives, and then Jacob's sons. And we follow it through four generations. And, here's the, it, and the book just narrows down as God pursues this one family. But here's the thing you've got to know. God hasn't forgotten about everybody else. Because you know what he says? He tells them why he's pursuing this one family. He says, because through you, I'm going to bless everybody. Sometimes do you look around your life and it feels like God is blessing everybody but you? Do you feel like he's forgotten about you? You hear great stories of what he's doing somewhere else. You read great stories about what he did long ago, and you feel like he's forgotten about you. He has not forgotten about you. In fact, his intention is to bless you and to work through your life just like it is through everybody else's. Do you know this? Are you listening? Are you listening? And this is what we come to. We come to this family. Now, now here's where we tend to focus on this book. We tend to focus on Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Noah and all these great characters, these heroes of the faith, we call them, right? And rather than focus on God, the main character, we focus on them. And we say, what can we learn from them? And we focus on them as if they're the heroes of the story. But you know what? They're really, 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 really bad heroes. Because we... We read about Abraham and he has great faith, right? But then there's these times where he lies about his sister, he lies about his wife, says that she's his sister, and he puts her in these positions that are really vulnerable where she could be taken advantage of that, advantage of. And it's really uncomfortable to watch that unfold. Well, Abraham's not so great. And Noah, he's a righteous man, and he, he and his family were saved from the flood, so he's got to be a hero, right? But then he's got this alcohol problem. And, and then we read about Jacob, and I want to like Jacob so much, and yet he lies and cheats and steals his way through life. And, and Joseph, I mean, at least we can respect Joseph, except that he's this spoiled, arrogant kid. And he's got his own problems too. And we see these, these heroes aren't really heroes. They're just like us. They're just like us. And, and, and you know how we know this? Because these are the stories they chose to pass down. Right? People talk about leaving a legacy today. You want to leave a good legacy for generations. You want to do something significant. Yes and amen. That's a, that's a good desire. God implanted that desire in all of us. And yet, these men and women could have left us a legacy of how great they thought they were. And you know what stories they pass down about themselves? Their brokenness and their frailty and their mess-ups. And, and, you know, here's the thing. God's the initiator. God's the main character. He's the active party all the way through the book of Genesis. And you know what they're invited to do? They're invited to respond. And every one of these situations I mentioned, you know what goes wrong is, is they take the reins, they take the pen, and they try to be the author. And it turns out they're really, really, really bad authors. And so are we. So are we when we try to write our own story. And the invitation to us is not to see a story of heroes in here, but to see a story of one hero. It's God. And everybody else have, have roles to play, have an invitation to respond to him. 
And when we respond to him, our lives work in ways that that he would invite us to, in ways that reflect his glory and goodness no matter what's going on around us. And when we reject that story and try to take over the pen, something goes wrong. Anybody been there? And so here's the invitation to give up the pen, to stop trying to tell our own story, to listen, to listen as we go through this to the story that God is telling, that he's the initiator and that he invites us to, and that God is using us just like he used them in spite of our brokenness. And this, their lives and our lives aren't to be a story of how good we are. And how great we are when we respond to God. There there are to be stories of the grace of God in our lives. That's what we're doing in confessional communities. And that's what we find right here in this book is a whole lot of people who are willing to be honest about what's going on in their lives and to see God work in the midst of it. That's all we're trying to do. In confessional communities throughout the week, through the book of Genesis as we go, we're listening to the story in each other and through his spirit that he's telling. And we're trying to listen well enough that we get inspired to live this story so that then we can tell it back to others. That's the invitation. See, when we come to this book and we focus on Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and we try to make heroes out of them, we try to focus on them and you turn to to Hebrews chapter 11. It's got this chapter that we call Heroes of the Faith, which I don't think is in Scripture. I think that's a little heading that's in some of our Bibles. It calls them heroes, but that's not the intention. Because the author of Hebrews, he lists through all these men and women. And he lists about their faith. He lists about who they were. And he says, look at what God accomplished through them because they trusted him. And at the end of the day, we come to the end of that list. And the author says, now don't look at them. Here's the conclusion he makes. He says this. Oh, I missed this. Let's go here first. (laughs) Hold that thought on Hebrews. We'll go here first. God's telling the story of his goodness no matter what in spite of his brokenness. And that's why we've got a key verse right at the end of Genesis. Genesis chapter 50, verse 20 says this. You intended to harm me. You intended evil. But God intended it for good. To accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. That's the story that we see all through Genesis. These broken people that end up, despite God's effort, that end up trying to take control of the pen and intend for themselves to be the center. They intend to harm others for their own good. And God takes it all and he still writes good out of all of it. In his grace, he still writes good. Do you see that happening in your life? How you mess up? Did that happen this week? You messed up and God turned it and wrote it for good. I saw that happen in my life this week. There were mess-ups we made, and God chose to write a good story in it anyway because he's that good. That's the story he wants to write in us every day, and that's the story he's writing here. And so these people that we point to as heroes, yeah. in Hebrews chapter 11, we get to the end of that, and here's what he says. Whoever wrote this book says, Therefore, Now that that you've heard about all these great heroes of faith, 
Now that you've heard about all these great men and women that you would call great, therefore, we also, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, that's who they are. You know what they are? They're tellers of the story. They listened to the story God was telling. They lived it. And now they just get to tell about it. And you know who they're telling? They're telling us. And then we get the opportunity to listen. We listen. And then we get the choice to be inspired to live out this story. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking not to Abraham, not to Noah, not to Jacob, looking to Jesus. Why? Because he's the author. He started this story in you and me. Whatever the story looks like today, he's the author of it and he started this story. And he's the finisher. He's going to finish this story and bring it to completion. And it's a story not about us. It's a story of our faith in the God who is great. And that's the only way we have a great story. Who for the joy, Jesus, who for the joy that was set before him, he lived this story. He endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. It's all about him. And that's the invitation that we get to see through this entire book, that it is all about him. We are invited so many times, so many ways that the world tells us to write our own story, to take up the pen and, and, and do our best to leave a good legacy and to write a story so that other people respect us and honor us and think we're great. If you don't know what's going to happen a few years from now, not that long from now, is nobody's going to know your name. Isn't that encouraging? <laughs> everything you live through, everything you're struggling through, well, some of your family, your kids might remember if you tell them. Your grandkids might remember if you tell them. And after that, it's going to be gone. And it's going to be forgotten to human memory, but God, God's going to remember. Because he's the one who invited you to this story. And, and see, the, the point of this life is not to live a big story, but to be part of another story. Paul David Tripp, he, the guy who wrote the devotional that we're all following along with, he writes in another place about this story, and he says, if you're God's child, listen, if you're God's child, you have been invited to a much bigger story. The grand redemptive story, which is now your biography. It's better than anything impressive you could accomplish in this life. Your life story is a biography of the wisdom and grace written by another. Every twist of the plot is for the best. Every turn he writes into your story is right. Every new character or unexpected event is a toll of his grace. Each new chapter advances his purpose. And we can come to the people in Genesis and read their stories and think, what is going on in that mess? And we can look at our lives and think, what is going on in this mess? And God, who's the same God who wrote their stories, who's writing our stories, says, I've got this. I'm writing this. And no matter what you or anybody else 
intend for yourself and your own glory. No matter what anybody else intends to harm you, I'm intending it for good, and I'm writing good through this. Trust me. Folks, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Will we trust him? Will we listen? Will we live this story so that we can tell it better? Let's worship this God together. We hope you enjoyed this message. You can find more like it on our website under sermons. To keep up to date with our sermon series, hit the subscribe button in your podcast host and follow our social media pages. Just search for GFC Shrewsbury on the platform of your choice. If you're looking to connect with us further, then you can email us at connect at gfcshrewsbury.org. We will be back next week with another message. We hope to see you again soon.